Part three of Hindle Wakes by Stanley Horton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Act two. The scene is again the breakfast room at the Jeffcoat's house. It is shortly after eight PM on the day following that on which the first act took place. The evening meal, tea, is just over. Only Mr. and Mrs. Jeffcoat have partaken of it. Ada has almost finished clearing away. There is a loaded tray on the sideboard, and the coloured cloth is not yet spread, although the white cloth has been removed. Mrs. Jeffcoat is sitting by the hearth, and Jeffcoat is standing with his back to the empty fireplace, filling his pipe. It is not yet dark, but the light is fading. Jeffcoat to Ada. Come now, lass, be sharp with your side in away. Ada is about to spread the coloured cloth. Mrs. Jeffcoat rises and assists her. Give me that end, Ada. They spread the cloth whilst Jeffcoat lights his pipe, and then Ada hurries out with the tray. That girl wants wakening up. What are you in such a hurry about, Nat? I've got something to say to you. Something to say to me? Why couldn't you say it whilst we were having tea? It's not quite the sort of thing to say before the servants. Why, Nat? What is it? Last night you were talking of taking in the lodge for Alan. Yes, I was going to call on Mrs. Plews this afternoon, only it came on wet. Don't go. Why not? There's no need. Surely, Nat, you've not changed your mind again. Alan won't want to live in a place like Hindle Lodge. His wife will. How do you know that? I've asked her. Nay, you've not. Why, Nat, I mentioned it to Beatrice only a week ago. Happen you did. Alan's not going to marry Beatrice. Not going to marry? That's what I said. Why? Have they quarrelled? No. Then what's the matter? What has happened? When did you get to know about it? I first got to know about it last night. That was what you were talking to Alan about when you went downstairs last night? Aye. And you said you were lecturing him on coming home so late. Why didn't you tell me the truth? I knew you'd learn it soon enough. And I didn't want to spoil your night's rest. Why didn't you tell me today then? I've been at the mill today. You could have told me as soon as you came home. I didn't want to spoil your tea for you. Mrs. Jeffcoat, wiping her eyes. As if that mattered. Well then, I didn't want to spoil my tea. Oh, Nat, what is it that's happened? To put it in a nutshell. Alan's not going to marry Beatrice because another girl has a better right to him. But how can that be? He's been engaged to Beatrice for nearly a year. Aye, he's only been engaged to Beatrice. With the other girl, he's gone a step further. He's not gone and got wed already. No, he's not got wed. He dispensed with the ceremony. Dispensed with it? Did without. Oh, Nat! He spent last weekend with a girl at Landudno. The creature! Eh? Why are such women allowed to exist? Jeffcoat, scratching his head. Thou mun ask me another. I've never looked on it in that light before. And at Landudno, too, of all places. Why, I've been there many a time. What's that got to do with it? I shall never be able to fancy it again, and I'm so fond of the place. That's a pity. Happen you'll get over the feeling when they married. But, Nat, it's impossible. 
Alan can't marry a woman of that sort. She's not a woman of that sort. She's a straight girl. How can you call her that? Well, you know what I mean. It's not been a matter of business with her. I don't see that that makes things any better. There might have been some excuse for her if it had been a matter of business. Really, Nat, you must see that the woman is not fit to marry Alan. Not quite so fast. You don't even know who she is yet. Whoever she is, if she's not above going away for the weekend with a man, she can't be fit to marry our son. Not even when our son's the man she's been away with. That has nothing to do with the case. It is evident that she is a girl with absolutely no principles. Dash it all! At that rate, some folk might say that Alan's not fit to marry her because of what he's done. Well, if you can't see the difference... He does not choose to. She shrugs her shoulders and continues. I'm surprised at you, Nat. I really am. You seem to take a delight in being perverse and making difficulties. Upon my soul, mother, I'd no idea thou was such an unscrupulous one before. Don't you want to do what's right? Can't you offer the girl some money? Would you think that right treatment? She wouldn't object. She'd jump at it. Shall I tell you who she is? Of course you'll tell me who she is, though that won't make me much wiser, for I don't suppose I've ever heard her name before. What makes you think that? I'm sure nobody I know would do a thing like that. She's not exactly a friend of yours, but her father is a very old friend of mine. His name's Christopher Hawthorne. What? And the lass is his daughter, Fanny. Fanny Hawthorne? Do you mean to tell me that the lad's going to marry one of our own weavers? Why, Nat, you must be out of your senses. Jeffcoat, stubbornly think so why all the folk in hindle will be laughing at us anything else i should just think i have got something else what about timothy farrer for instance have you thought what he'll say what does it matter what tim farrer says there's beatrice ay there's beatrice i'm right sorry for that girl but there's the other girl to be considered mind you does beatrice know yet no I told Alan we'd go up to Farris tonight and have it out with them. Perhaps he's there now. Nay, he'll not be back from Manchester yet. He was stopping later because Raleigh's had got a cable in from India, and it wasn't translated when I left. Business before pleasure, mother. Then thank goodness it's not too late. What do you mean by that? This affair has got to be stopped. Now, old lass, don't thou start meddling with what doesn't concern thee. That's a nice thing. It concerns me as much as you. I've a right to have my say when it comes to a wife for Alan, and I'll not give way without a struggle for a girl like Fanny Hawthorne. Come now. What's wrong with her after all? She's a girl without any character. Now, I should say she's a girl with a good deal of character. The wrong sort. How do you know that? We don't know what made her go away with Alan. I do. It was one of two things. Either she's thoroughly wicked, or else she was simply trying to make him marry her. And whichever it was, it's evident she's no fit wife for Alan. Alan should have thought of that earlier. You are taking much too serious a view of this affair, Nat. You are indeed. Mind you, I'm not defending what Alan's done. I'm as shocked as anyone. I know it's a sin, and a grievous one too. What puzzles me is how he could do it. I wonder what made him. 
"'I don't know where he got it from. "'I'm sure he didn't get it from my side of the family.' "'Happen he got it from Adam.' "'Very well, then. "'All the more reason why you should overlook it.' "'We can't overlook them sort of things in Lancashire, "'same as we could in the Garden of Eden.' "'If you can't overlook it altogether, "'there's no reason why you should want to punish the lad like this. "'It's just cruelty, that's what it is, "'to make him marry a girl out of the mill.' "'You mean she's beneath him?' of course she's beneath him it's queer what short memories some folks have what was my father i should like to know and thine too if it comes to that why i wore clogs myself until i was past twenty yes and if you don't look out your grandson will wear them again don't forget the old saying there's three generations from clogs to clogs a man may wear worse things than clogs they're a grand tackle for keeping the feet out of the wet don't talk so foolishly nat i know as well as you do that before you die you're hoping to see alan a big man member for hindle perhaps you know whether a wife like fanny hawthorne would be a hindrance to him or not if a man's wife gets in the road of his career then his career will have to suffer and every one knows what that means he'll be blaming her all the time for standing in his light and so his home life will be ruined as well marriage is a ticklish business anyhow there's always the chance of a bust-up chance indeed it's as sure as fate if alan marries fanny and you know that they'll be separated in five years we've seen cases like that before i shall again have little doubt well alan shan't be one of them if i can help it but you can't old lass i wear the breeches in this house i'll be no party to it anyhow it shan't be said that i didn't lift my voice against the wedding Mrs. Jeffcoat is nearly sobbing by this time. The room is in semi-darkness. Jeffcoat listens. There's the front door. It'll be Alan. Come now, mother. Don't make a scene. Mrs. Jeffcoat wipes her eyes. Ada comes in. If you please, ma'am, Sir Timothy Farron, Miss Beatrice. Mr. Allen hasn't come in yet. No, ma'am. Are they in the drawing-room? yes ma'am very well ada withdraws dear me nat this is very awkward why doesn't alan come home it's too bad of him it is indeed he's ashamed to face his mother happen he should know his mother better than that then he's trying to drive it too late to go up to farrah's to-night that's more likely very well he's reckoned without his dad if he's too much of a coward to face the music himself i'll do it for him what are you going to do just go and send tim farrer in here while you keep beatrice company in the other room are you going to tell him aye but what shall i say to beatrice say nowt but i can't talk to her just as if nothing has happened it would be like deceiving her i'm not cut out for a hypocrite all right tell her everything she'll have to know some time oh need she ever know whatever falls out it's not going to be hushed up strike a light nat he lights the gas do i look as if i've been crying why have you been crying no it doesn't show nothing to speak of mrs jeffcoat goes out and jeffcoat lights the other gas jets until the room is brightly illuminated he gets out the whisky and soda sir timothy farrer 
a portly red-faced rough lancashire man of fifty-nine or so with a scrubby growth of hair under his chin appears in the doorway he is much the coarsest and commonest person in the play how do tim how do nat jeffcoat nodding to a chair sit you down sir timothy choosing the best chair ay ay jeffcoat holding out a cigar box the old brand sir timothy choosing the best cigar with deliberation i'll have a drop of whisky too nat help yourself jeffcoat places the whisky handy and then closes the door so they've made you chairman of indle education committee tim ay why not thou knows i were eating one for the job thou's not done much studying since thou were eight year of age happen i haven't but i'm going to take damn good care that indle new technical school is the finest in lancashire or yorkshire either if it comes to that why not finest in england while you're about it if it's finest in lancashire and yorkshire it goes without saying it's finest in england they don't know how to spend money on em in the south besides what should they want with technical schools in them parts they don't make anything to speak of they're a poor lot it's true i were in london all last week corporation business ay expenses paid ay that's the style where's the lad not got home yet beatrice were expecting him to telephone all day but he didn't as soon as we'd done eating she were on pins and needles to look him up he was coming round to your place to-night i told the lass he'd be sure to she hasn't seen him for ten days thou knows and that seems a long time when it's before the wedding it doesn't seem so long afterwards that reminds me have you seen the winning post this week nay i rarely look at it there's a tale in this week it'll suit thee down to the ground hold on a bit there's something i've a mind to tell you let me get mine off my chest first it's about a fellow who took a girl away for the weekend so's mine oh it's the same one he is disappointed nay it isn't how do you know mine's true true is it he considers well let's hear it who's the fella chap out of indle sir timothy looking him in the face here who's been giving me away eh i say who's been giving me away thee he stares at sir timothy and then breaks into a roar of laughter thou's given thyself away tim farrer i wasn't talking about thee at all sir timothy wiping his brow eh i thought as someone had seen us at brighton i don't mind thee knowing but if the wrong person gets hold of that sort of thing all indle is apt to hear about it well who's the chap our alan what the young devil i'd like to give him a reet good hiding come that's a nice man to talk after what i've just learned hang it all it's different with me i'm not engaged to be wed why i haven't even got a wife living the young beggar i thought i'd better tell thee first ay ay i'll talk pretty straight to him perhaps you'll choose to tell beatrice yourself tell who beatrice why what's he got to do with her some one will have to tell her she'll have to know sooner or later god bless my soul nat jeffcott 
hast thou told thy missus everything thou did before thou got wed i'd nowt to tell her i always thought there was summat queer about thee nat he shakes his head well i'm not going to have bee told of this affair and that's flat it's all over and done with it's not all over you don't understand this girl's a decent girl thou knows daughter of chris hawthorne what him as slashes for thee ay i've seen her a sulky-looking wench well i cannot see what difference it makes who the girl was i reckon alan's not going to marry her that's just what he is going to do what you heard what i said but he's going to marry my beatrice if he does he'll be had up for bigamy you mean to say he's going to throw her over there's no need to put it that way there's no other way to put it if he weds fanny hawthorne what else can he do there's ways and means for instance it's only a question of money have you forgotten who she is she's one of thy weavers that'll cost thee a trifle more she's daughter of one of my oldest friends i'm one of thy oldest friends likewise what about my lass have you thought what a fool she'll look i'm sorry but t'other girl must come first i think well enough of beatrice to know she'll see it in that light when it's put to her and who's going to put it to her i should like to know you can put it to her yourself if you've a mind dang it it's a nice awkward thing to talk to a lass about here before i go any further with this job i want to see alan and know for certain what he's going to do he'll do what i tell him i doubt it i know he's a fool but i don't think he's such a fool as all that the door opens and alan looks in why talk of the devil hello sir timothy has bay come with you she's with your mother in the drawing-room right alan is withdrawing when jeffcote calls him back here i say just wait a while we've something to say to you alan comes in reluctantly anything fresh in manchester no now for us in that cable no you're very late i got something to eat in manchester he is for withdrawing again hold on a bit you'd better shut the door and sit down now then what's all this i hear tell about thee alan to jeffcote have you been telling him ay you'd no right to hello it was my business it was your business right enough but if i'd left it to you it wouldn't have been done i can see that you weren't up for going up to farrer's to-night no i wasn't i knew it and that's just why you hadn't any right to tell sir timothy you young fool what was the good of hanging back sir timothy had got to be told some time i reckon why why you don't suppose he's going to see you throw his beatrice over without knowing why who says i'm going to throw his beatrice over jeffcote looking hard at him i say so happen it would be better if you'd stick to what concerns you in future jeffcote rising what the deuce dost thou mean by talking to me that road sir timothy rising here hold on a bit don't go shouting the lad down that jeffcote i want to hear what he's got to say if father hadn't opened his mouth there'd be no call to say anything it wasn't me who started to make difficulties i bet it wasn't you'd have let the thing slide i'd have tried to settle it then i take it thou's no desire to wed fanny hawthorne 
I don't think it's necessary. No more do I. Jeffcoat to Alan. I thought we had this out last night. Were you so drunk that you couldn't take in what I said? No. Why did you not speak out then? You never gave me a chance. You did all the talking yourself. I'd be ashamed to say that. I'd like to say the manners could shut my mouth when I'd had too much to drink. Thou couldn't do it, Nat. Thunder shouting as thou art. He's not your father. Art afraid of him? No. Then stand up to him. I'll back thee up. I've told him I'm not going to wed Fanny. What more does he want? You've made up your mind? Yes. Very well. I've rarely been beat up to now, and I'm not going to be beat by my own lad. Hang it all, Nat. Thou cannot take him by the scruff of the neck and force him to wed where he doesn't want to. No, that's true, and no one can force me to leave my brass where I don't want to. Thou's not serious. I am that. Thou wouldn't care to leave Daisy Bank outside the family. It wouldn't go outside the family if I left it to his cousin Travis. Thou art a queer chap, Nat. So it comes to this. If I don't marry Fanny, you'll leave your brass to Travis. That's it. I see. He thinks for a moment. And would Travis be expected to take Fanny over along with the mill? Jeffcoat winces and makes as if to reply angrily, but he thinks better of it and remains grimly silent. A pause. Very well. Leave it to Travis. I'm going to stick to Beatrice. Right. You haven't thought what you and Beatrice are going to live on, have you? I'm not such a fool that I can't earn my own living. What you learn won't go very far if you have to keep a girl like Beatrice. Beatrice and I can manage like you and Mother did. No, you can't. You haven't been brought up to it. Then Sir Timothy will help us. Sir Timothy? Oh, aye. He laughs sardonically. I'd like to hear what Tim Farrer thinks of the situation now. Sir Timothy, scratching his head. It's not straight to thee, Nat. Thou's not acting right. I've put thee in a bit of a hole, like. Thou's made it very awkward for me. I like that. It was you who told me to stand up to father. You said you'd back me up. Oh, aye, I'll back thee up all right. But there's no good in losing our tempers over this job, thou knows. I don't want to see a split twixt thee and thy father. If I don't mind, I don't see why you should. Lord bless thee. If thou art bent on a row, have it thy own way. But thy father's one of my oldest friends, think on. And I'm not going to part with him for thy sake. Thou can quarrel with him if thou's a mind to, but don't expect me to do the same. You're trying to draw out now. I'll stand in at anything in reason, but I'll be no party to a bust-up. Besides, now I come to think of it, I'm not sure thou's treated my Beatrice right. Hello! No, I'm not. When a chap's engaged, he ought to behave himself. From the way thou's been carrying on, thou might be married already. Look here, you knew all this five minutes ago when you told me to stand up to my father. What's happened to change you? Thou's very much mistaken if thou thinks I've changed my mind because thy father's leaving the mill to thy cousin Travis. I'm not the man to do that sort of thing. Besides, what do I care about thy father's brass? I'm worth as much as he is. That's a lie, Tim Farrer. Lie or not, I'm worth enough to be able to snap my fingers at thy brass. I'll not see my lass insulted by thy lad, not if thou were ten times as rich as thou makes out. 
but don't you see no i don't yes you do you're only trying to draw a red herring across the track be damned to that for a tale it's right dost take me for a mean beggar no i take thee for a business man i never think of thee as aught else dost tell me thou can believe i don't wish allan to marry b just because of what thou said about leaving thy brass i do a pause sir timothy looks hard at jeffcote well and why not don't ask me i don't object aren't you ashamed to say that no and if thou been in weaving as long as i have thou wouldn't either thou's got to keep an eye on the main chance but you've got plenty of money yourself quite enough for the two of us well blow me if thou art the best business man of the lot thou comes along and asks me for my daughter and my money and what dost thou offer in exchange nowt but thyself it isn't good enough my lad good enough or not it's the best i can do it won't do for me i shan't bother about you eh what's that i don't want to marry you i shall leave it to beatrice be'll do what i tell her thou can take that from me no thanks i'll ask her myself i don't care a hang for the pair of you i'm going to stick to beatrice if she'll have me you can cut us off with a shilling if you've a mind to both of you hang it thou knows i cannot do that with my bee i call it taking a mean advantage of me that i do why cannot you cut off your lass thou knows well enough that i cannot i could i don't doubt it but thank god i'm not like thee nat jeffcott i sometimes think thou's got a stone where thy heart should be by rights happen i've got a pair of scales that's nowt to boast of i'd as soon have the stone the door opens and mrs jeffcote looks in mrs jeffcote seeing alan beatrice wants to speak to you alan mrs jeffcote enters followed by beatrice farrer a determined straightforward girl of about twenty-three sir timothy to beatrice now me lass father i want to speak to alan i'd like to have a word with thee first b afterwards father ay but it'll be too late afterwards happen come tim thou can't meddle with this job i call it a bit thick please father come into the drawing-room sir timothy you can smoke in there you know a bit thick he is led out by mrs jeffcote jeffcote is following when he turns in the doorway i'll overlook all you said to-night if you'll be guided by me but it's your last chance mind all right jeffcote half to himself i never fancied thy cousin travis sir timothy returns to the doorway here what's all this thou wouldn't let me stop behind what's thou been saying to alan telling him not to make a fool of himself i don't call it fair come along don't thee make a fool of thyself either jeffco draws sir timothy out of the room after they have gone alan closes the door and then turns slowly to beatrice they do not speak at first at last beatrice almost whispers alan so they've told you yes perhaps it's as well i should have hated telling you alan why did you i don't know it was her lips her lips i suppose so i i see i'm not a proper cab b i haven't been telling her one tale and you another it was all an accident like you mean it wasn't arranged 
no indeed it wasn't i shouldn't like you to think that b i ran across her at blackpool you didn't go to blackpool to meet her on my oath i didn't i went there in the car with george ramsbottom what became of him him oh george is a pal he made himself scarce just as you would have done i suppose if he had been in your place of course what else can a fellow do two's company you know but old george would be all right i dare say he picked up something himself you knew her before you met her at blackpool of course there's not so many pretty girls in hindle that you can miss one like fanny hawthorne i knew her well enough but on the straight mind you i thought she looked gay that was all i'd hardly spoken to her before i ran into her at the tower at blackpool so you met her at the tower yes we just had dinner at the metropole grill room george and i and i dare say we had drunk about as much champagne as was good for us we looked in at the tower for a lark and we ran into fanny in the ballroom she had a girl with her mary mary something or other i forget anyhow george took mary on and i went with fanny yes next day i got her to come with me in the car we went to landudno yes there's not much more to say and i've got to be satisfied with that what else do you want me to tell you didn't you ever think of me yes b i suppose i did but you weren't there you see and she was that was what did it being near her and looking at her lips then i forgot everything else oh i know i'm a beast i couldn't help it i suppose you can never understand it's too much to expect you to see the difference between me and fanny yes fanny was just an amusement a lark i thought of her as a girl to have a bit of fun with going off with her was like going off and getting tight for once in a way you wouldn't care for me to do that but if i did you wouldn't think very seriously about it you wouldn't want to break off our engagement for that i wonder if you can look on this affair of fanny's as something like getting tight only worse i'm ashamed of myself just as i should be if you caught me drunk i can't defend myself i feel just an utter swine what i felt for fanny was simply base horrible and how had you always thought of me oh b what i felt for you was something higher finer was it or are you only trying to make yourself believe that no i respected you beatrice thinking i wonder which feeling a woman would rather arouse and i wonder which is most like love all the time b i have never loved any one else but you you say so now but forgive me dear how am i to know you have given fanny the greater proof i'm trying to show you that fanny was one thing you were another can't you understand that a fellow may love one girl and amuse himself with another no i don't suppose you ever can i think i can we were different kinds of women on separate planes it didn't matter to the one how you treated the other that's it going away with fanny was just a fancy a sort of freak but you have never given me any proof half so great as that haven't i i'll give it to you now you know that father says i'm to marry fanny your mother told me he wished it wished it he set his mind on it he won't leave me a farthing unless i marry her what did you tell him if you can't guess that you haven't much confidence in me that's hardly my fault is it no well i told him i'd see him damned first a worse to that effect beatrice with a movement of pleasure you did yes 
Is that good enough for you, B? You wanted proof that it's you I love. I've chucked away everything I had to expect in the world, rather than give you up. Isn't that good enough for you? Alan. Alan, quickly clasping her. B, in a way I've been faithful to you all the time. I tried hard enough to forget all about you, but I couldn't. Often and often I thought about you. Sometimes I thought about you when I was kissing Fanny. I tried to pretend she was you. She never guessed, of course. She thought it was her I was kissing, but it wasn't. It was you. Oh, the awfulness of having another girl in my arms and wanting you. Beatrice does not answer. She closes her eyes, overcome. B, you'll stick to me, although I shan't have a penny. I'll get to work, though. I'll work for you. You won't have any cause to reproach me. If only you'll stick to me. If only you'll tell me you forgive me. Could you have forgiven me if I had done the same as you? But you... you couldn't do it. Fanny Hawthorne did. She's not your class. She's a woman. That's just it. It's different with a woman. Yet you expect me to forgive you. It doesn't seem fair. It isn't fair, but it's usual. It's what everybody agrees to. You always say that you aren't one of these advanced women. You ought to agree to it as well. I do. I can see that there is a difference between men and women in cases of this sort. You can. Men haven't so much self-control. Don't be cruel, B. There's no need to rub it in. I'm not being personal, Alan. I'm old-fashioned enough to really believe there is that difference. You see, men have never had to exercise self-control like women have, and so I'm old-fashioned enough to be able to forgive you. To forgive me and marry me in spite of what has happened? and in spite of your father and mine. I care nothing for my father or yours. I care a good deal for what has happened. But it shows, I think, that you need me even more than I need you. For I do need you, Alan, so much that nothing on earth could make me break off our engagement if I felt that it was at all possible to let it go on. But it isn't. It's impossible. Impossible? Why do you say that? Of course it's not impossible. Yes, it is. Because to all intents and purposes, you are already married. No, B. You say I'm old-fashioned? Old-fashioned people used to think that when a man treated a girl as you have treated Fanny, it was his duty to marry her. You aren't going to talk to me like father, B. Yes, but with your father, it is only a fad. You know it isn't that with me. I love you, and I believe that you love me, and yet I am asking you to give me up for Fanny. You may be sure that only the very strongest reasons could make me do that. Reasons? Reasons? Don't talk about reasons when you're doing a thing like this. You may not be able to understand my reasons. You have always laughed at me because I go to church and believe things that you don't believe. I may have laughed, but I never tried to interfere with you. Nor I with you. We mustn't begin it now, either of us. Is this what your religion leads you to? Do you call it a Christian thing to leave me in the lurch with Fanny Hawthorne, when I need you so much more than I've ever done before? I don't know. It's not what I can argue about. I was born to look at things just in the way I do, and I can't help believing what I do. And what you believe comes before me? It comes before everything. Alan, promise that you'll do what I wish. You love me? If I love anything on earth, I love you. And you want me to marry Fanny? Yes. Oh, Alan, can't you see what a splendid sacrifice you have it in your power to make? 
not only to do the right thing, but to give up so much in order to do it. Alan, promise me. Alan, nodding sullenly. Very well. You'll have sufficient courage and strength. I'll do what you ask, but only because I can see that your talk is all humbug. You don't love me. You're shocked by what I did, and you're glad to find a good excuse for getting rid of me. All right, I understand. You don't. You don't understand. For you might have spared me all that goody-goody business. Please. You don't care for me a bit. Alan, you don't know what it's costing me. Alan looks at her keenly, and then seizes her violently and kisses her several times. She yields to him and returns his embrace. Alan, speaking quickly and excitedly. B, you're talking nonsense. You can't give me up. You can't give me up, however much you try. Beatrice tears herself away from him. You don't know me. I can. I will. I shall never be your wife. I won't take that for an answer. No, 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 never, never, whilst Fanny Hawthorne has a better right to you than I have. There is a long pause. At length comes a knock at the door. Hello. Jeffcoat puts his head inside. Nine o'clock. What of it? Hawthorne's a due up here at nine. Oh. Is my father there? Aye. Tim. Sir Timothy appears in the doorway. Well, fixed it up, eh? Alan and I are not going to be married, father. Ah, I'm sure it's all for the best, lass. Are you quite ready, father? I want you to take me home. Aye, aye. Shall I get thee a cab, Bee? I'd rather walk, please. Beatrice goes to the door. I'll write to you, Alan. She goes out, followed by Sir Timothy. She have thought better of it. Seems so. And you'll wed Fanny Hawthorne, I take it. Aye. That's a good lad, Alan. I'm right pleased with thee. <laughs> Jeffcoat stares at Alan in surprise. What's the matter? Nothing, father. He flings himself listlessly into an armchair. Jeffcoat, after another look at him, scratches his head and goes out. The curtain falls. End of part three.